Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here uh, with our guest today, Brian J. O'Connor. Uh, Brian J. O'Connor is an award-winning business and finance columnist. Uh, he's one of the founding managing editors of Bankrate.com. Uh, you probably heard of that site. He's also an executive ghostwriter, uh, custom con- uh, content consultant, and the author of the uh, $1,000 Challenge, How One Family Slashed Its Budget Without Moving Under a Bridge or Living on Government Cheese. Uh, it was named the Best Money Management Book of the Year by the Institute for Financial Literacy. Uh, he's also won three Humor Writing Awards from the National Society of Newspaper Columnists. Uh, he's also a two-time Best in Business winner for his columns in the Detroit News and winner of the Christopher J. Wells uh, Memorial Prize from Columbia University. Uh, his work has been featured in the New York Times, the Christian Science Monitor, Martha Stewart Living, the Wall Street Journal, and other places as well. Uh, he's a native of Detroit. Uh, he also holds a bachelor's degree from Sarah Lawrence College and the Masters from Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism, uh, where he was a night, uh, uh, how do you say that? Badgett? Badgett. Night Badgett Fellow. Night, um, night Badgett Fellow, yeah. Yeah. Brian, thank you for joining us today. I think I gave you a pretty big intro and kind of covered everything, but am I missing anything? <laughs> Is there any part of your background you want to include? Well, no, I mean, I've been uh, writing about uh, writing or editing, working in personal finance pretty much since uh, 1998. Um, and uh, uh, in fact, uh, and, I'm, and I'm still doing it today. Uh, I just had a, a, a nice piece in the investing section uh, of the New York Times on Sunday. Uh, and I think that one of my you know goals has been um, to kind of cut through a lot of the nonsense around money um, most of the most of the aspects of personal finance are are pretty simple. That, that doesn't mean they're easy, um, but most most experts try to try to make things a lot more complicated than they uh, than they have to be. And a lot of advice that you hear out there it just really is not uh, practical. I think the thing that I've always tried to look at is, you know, what what works for people and what helps people get to the end of, of the, the week with more money uh, in their wallet than, uh, than if they'd done anything else. So, um, uh, so that's been kind of my, my focus. Cool. I mean, from um, a finance aspect, I mean, people have a wide array of things that they could choose to do. Like you could stick money into a bank account and save it. You could go invest. In the stock market, there's ETFs, there's uh, bank notes, there's what? Now there's crypto, now there's like NFTs. There's there's a million different things you could do now. You can even buy like real estate, do like a little like fun thing, and then like invest like $5,000 towards real estate and not even buy the whole place now. And then like they have things for like right. art, all this crazy stuff. <laughs> so there's like millions and millions of things you could do. So I, I think a lot of people when it comes to like finance are like more 
confused with all the options and anything else. I think you could even like invest into like a VC fund without like dumping in like millions of dollars too now. Right. Well, you can get uh, you can get funds uh, that invest in VC or uh, or hedge funds. Uh, I know there's at least one ETF uh, that's out there. It doesn't uh, uh, come to me right away. Um, but you know, for I mean, you're 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 absolutely right. There is a lot of stuff out there, um, and that's why the answer that you're going to get from any personal finance expert is usually uh, starts with it depends. Um, but for, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, you go to a personal finance conference, there's no more depends there than a, uh, than a nursing home. Um, because it depends how old are you, how much risk can, can you tolerate? Um, you know, what's your, uh, what's your income stream? Uh, what are your expenses? What are your, uh, what are your own capabilities? Uh, and, and things like that. And because it can be, uh, you can have a lot of choices. Uh, for sure. Um, I don't, I, I personally wouldn't want to see anybody investing uh, their retirement nest egg uh, in crypto right now. But if somebody wants to take maybe, you know, 5% of what they invest and use it to, um, to explore that, um, then that's a good, good thing if they feel that they want to put in the time uh, and do the research. Um, and and treat it a little bit more, you know, like an interest or a hobby, and not just I'm going to put everything I own into this, you know, one uh, cryptocurrency, and I'll be set for life. Uh, that that's a pretty pretty risky way to go for most people. You know, on the other hand, there there are things everybody can do. So so for instance, you know, we're still in January. A lot of people make a New Year's resolution. It's one of the top New Year's resolutions is I'm going to, you know, get my money under control or I'm going to save more or, or this and that and the other thing. And, you know, there are all kinds of websites and budgeting apps and, and uh, all kinds of things like this. Um, but for the most part, we all know that most people don't keep up with their, with their New Year's resolutions. Uh, it's, and uh, when you look at what behavioral economists have learned about this. Uh, it's pretty much that, that we all have a limited amount of willpower. So one of the things that you can do with your money goal is just, is it's incredibly effective, is just automate it. If you want to save more money, just set up uh, a bank account that uh, and you automatically put $50 a month in it or $50 a week or, you know, $10 a week or $500 a month, whatever your goal is, um, you, you automate that. You put it in an account that's separate uh, from your regular checking and spending accounts. Uh, and then you don't have to make that choice. The money's gone and you figure out a way to live with it without it very easily. You don't have to go spending, you know, a whole weekend going over your last six months of your checks and ATMs and figuring out where every dime in your budget goes. You don't even have to have a budget. You can just go and do it and say, you know, two years from now, I want to take my family to Disney World. It's going to cost X much. Uh, so that's, you know, 24 months I've got to save that money. Here's how much money I'm going to put aside. And now you've got a, 
a dollar sign and a deadline, you automate it, and you're going to hit your goal. <coughs> Period. So I have a um, question. Sure. A lot of people who are like millennials nowadays, so I guess like 30 to, uh, I'm 37, I think I'm the last of the millennials, I think 30s when they when they ended, there might be some more, maybe up to 25, I don't know, like... Uh, I always find it amusing how old people think millennials are like college students now still, but, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, you know, they're real people out in the real world, not just kids. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I think that's Gen Z who's in college right now. Um, so a lot of people who are like 30 to like my age might have, I guess, like around 100 grand, somewhere around there in like their 401ks or 403bs. And um, not many of us own houses because houses have gone from 250 to 500 to 750. And then whatever money was saved wasn't as much as the house. <laughs> and it kept going right. more and more. And then the house kept like appreciating and all this other crazy stuff. And then the money saved did not match the appreciation. So the down payment never came. <laughs> and, oh, um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's been a bad, bad uh, uh, situation for a lot of people since uh, since 2008. Yeah. So Everything it's got more difficult. And then like with uh, the current inflation, at, at least in Los Angeles, like Korean barbecue went from all you can eat for $30 to $39. So there's been like about. <laughs> 30% increase in food and that's kind of been consistent through a lot of different restaurants and everything and um, mm -hmm. rents have kind of gone up to if you want to live on like the outskirts of downtown LA you're looking at like maybe 2500 a month uh, including like parking and taxes and all that other stuff so things have kind of got right. pretty expensive expensive let's say someone like a millennial wanted to retire like i know in the past we were sold numbers like you need like a million dollars or something like that for retirement what's the more realistic number now considering inflation's probably like not gonna go away right well we're probably going to be facing uh by the end of 2022 most of uh, the people who are keeping an eye on inflation uh, expect it to be lower uh, than it is now. Uh, the historical average uh, is inflation over the long run is two and a half to three percent, um, and it could be down to an average of three percent or a little bit more by the end of uh, end of this year. Um, but that doesn't help right now. I think the other thing <laughs> you want to understand is that it's it's a global it's a global situation and inflation in, uh, in Britain is, is terrible, is as high as it's ever been. Um, you know, we, and we've certainly got high inflation here. Uh, and all there, that you can do really is, uh, look at your own personal such situation and adjust. Um, but it's not, um, if you can avoid it, it's not a reason to not be, doing some kind of systematic saving uh, for your retirement. Um, the earlier you start, even doing the smallest thing um, is, is going to pay off 
enormously. So I, I will tell you that um, when I was 39, I was making, my wife and I were making a very good living. Uh, and then since 2000, well, we have had some kind of financial challenge um, in one way or another every year. Mm. One of us wasn't working or wasn't working full time or we were uh, dealing with childcare or something like that. The money that I put away before we had children in my retirement account, it has, has continued to grow, right? Because you can't take it out of an IRA without paying an enormous penalty. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, we'll be pretty safe uh, when we get to retirement is because of the things that we did when we were uh, 30, 25, 26, 30, uh, and not, uh, you know, waiting until you're 40 or 50 years old to start trying to, uh, to figure out, you know, what are you going to do uh, when you retire? Um, and, and that's one of the things. So, for instance, you know, you'll see budget books that tell you, your budget should allow 25% of your pre-tax earnings for rent. Well, that's ridiculous. If you're living in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Boston, uh, uh, Miami, you know, that's not realistic advice. Uh, you're going to have to, uh, to, you know, do something far different. If you're doing 30%, you're probably doing good. Um, for the most part, you know, real estate, uh, especially rental real estate, a lot of a lot of um, companies and investors moved in after 2008 and bought up everything that was in foreclosure. Um, there were you know people who were buying hundreds of properties at a time uh, here in Detroit, where I where I live, um, and so now that's taken a lot of housing off the market. Um, then builders weren't building as many homes. Uh, so the new homes are, are restricted and, um, it's just made rent. It's just made the rent too damn high. Like the man says, um, it'll probably be coming back down. Real estate always goes up, uh, after an economy goes into recovery. So we had the pandemic hit. We had a huge hit to the economy. It's recovering all the sectors that normally do well after, a downturn are doing well, finance, real estate, uh, consumer goods, all that stuff is doing very well. Well, normally, and after that, real estate starts to settle down a little bit. So, you, you know, if you can avoid it, you don't want to try to be buying a house now. Um, but what you can be doing is looking at going to a good local credit union or an independent bank um, and also uh, comparing things online and looking at, you know, what kind of mortgage would I qualify for? Um, where's your credit score? Uh, take a look at your credit score and figure out, uh, is that going to need to be improved? Um, see if you'll qualify for uh, a first-time home buyer option. Uh, FHA has uh, low-down mortgages for first-time home buyers. That's how, that's how I got a home. And, and I will tell you, if you think that things are scary, because I'm seeing a lot of scary headlines about mortgage rates have jumped from 3.08 to 3.5. Well, I will tell you, when I bought my first house, uh, I bought it because interest rates had finally fallen under 
and I, I bought my mortgage, uh, my house with an interest rate of nine and a half percent. So it has been much, much worse. Three and a half percent for a mortgage today, even four percent is is really historically low. Um, and that's that's one thing that people have going in their favor because it helps to offset uh, some of the big prices that are out there. But even if you're you know if you're priced out, you, there are you can be doing your homework and deciding you know what you're going to have to uh, come up with when an opportunity presents itself when real estate finally comes back down to earth, when people start building more homes and apartment buildings, um, you know, is not the time to go apply for a mortgage and find out uh, there's an error on your credit report and your credit score is only 600 and you don't qualify for a mortgage. Um, that's the kind of thing that, uh, that you can be doing right now to at least have an eye on that and be moving that way. That makes sense. I, I think a lot of that advice should be really helpful for our listeners and everything. It's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, let's see. Where can people find me online? Um, I'm not really have a, a, a website these days. I write for uh, the New York Times, Market Watch. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Brian OC Tweet. B R I A N O C Tweet. And uh, I put out a pretty good amount of links and observations there, um, especially you mentioned inflation. I've, I've just been sending out some some very thoughtful stuff about inflation. Cool. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel 
This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Brian J. O'Connor. Uh, we've been talking a lot about retirement and investing and so forth. Um, and this segment, I guess what we could talk about is something along the lines of, let, let's say you're a high-performing uh, employee or maybe entrepreneur and you're making somewhere in between like the 100 to 200 range, uh, probably more realistic, probably 100 to like 150,000 range and you live in a major state. Um, when, when you think about like finance and everything like that, what, what should you kind of do to really like prep yourself up to, uh, be able to have everything you need and also have enough to kind of retire if you're living in like one of the major cities? Right. Well, the first thing, um, is that, uh, as we were talking about, you know, you, you've got, uh, if you, as soon as you start, you've got time on your side. Um, so the best time to start was always yesterday in terms of, of, uh, providing for, you know, your future and your retirement and stuff. Um, but at the same time, if you've got debt, and as you say, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of millennials are carrying debt, college debt, uh, or just other life debt, uh, because things have been so tough. Um, uh, you know, we've just had so many ups and downs. So you've got to start the big key to success is, is, getting a handle on your debt and getting rid of as much of it as you can, but you can't focus all your money, all your spare money on paying down debt because you, you need time to invest for the future. Um, and the reason is if the, if the market goes up, if the market goes down, if your investments do well or your investments do poorly, you've got enough time to adjust your plan, uh, and, and recover, save more, invest more or whatever. So that's like the big problem that people have is, right. You've got this debt. You want to pay that off because that's sucking interest out of you every month. Um, but you also want to start saving as soon as you can. So, um, you know, I always say the foundations are, um, start saving 2%. If you're not saving now at all or investing at all, start with 2% of your take home pay. Because for most people, you're not going to really you're not going to really miss it, um, you know. And like I say, have that direct deposited uh, to a uh, an on, like an a online savings account. Interest the rates are terrible, but they'll pay you a little more than you'll get at your local bank. Um, and just set that and forget that. Uh, in terms of your debt, uh, <laughs> until you've got a good sized emergency fund, you basically want to just pay the minimum you can on your debt Um, because it's, it's really key to have an emergency fund. You know, we have so many studies. I just saw one this week. Um, You know, in an emergency, most people can't put their hands on even $400 in cash. Um, And and that can cause an enormous amount of problems um, that can just sort of cascade and really throw your financial life off. So the first thing you want to do is have, even if it's just two weeks of your take-home pay, 
in an emergency account that you don't use for anything else, um, that can start to make an enormous difference. It gives you a lot of confidence. Uh, it takes time to build up, but uh, as long as you're as long as you're adding to it consistently, regularly, uh, you're going to get there. In you know, in the meantime, you, you try to get your your uh, the interest on your debt down as much as you can. Uh, and of course, the first rule when you're trying to deal with debt is stop adding to your debt, <laughs> right? Um, my, my son was in the Boy Scouts, and if you get lost in the woods, the first thing they pretty much tell you to do is stop. Stop and, and figure out where you are. Uh, start looking for help. Don't go running around because you're just going to get yourself more lost. So the first thing with that, it's the same thing. Stop digging your hole any deeper. Um, try to arrange for, you know, re- refinance it, do a balance transfer, um, get your interest rate down, but but as hard as it is, because people are really scared uh, uh, of having debt, you know, pay the minimum until you put the other pieces of your financial life in place. You know, have that emergency fund, be putting at least a little bit aside uh, for your your retirement nest egg, and then if you want to start putting extra money towards your debt, uh, you do it, uh, you can do it and you start paying off the highest interest debt first, because that will, that will save you the most money and get you out of debt the fastest. Uh, and the same thing, yeah, you can automate that. So for example, let's say you've got a credit card with a $5,000 balance, right? Mm-hmm. And the minimum payment is going to be, about a hundred bucks a month. It's usually two percent, two and a half percent of your balance, right? You can just automate your payment at right now at that hundred dollars a month. Stop charging on that card. Pay one hundred dollars a month, the current minimum. Automate that until that card is paid off. And what happens is the first month you pay a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars. Uh, you pay off the interest and maybe the balance goes down by 60 bucks, right? Yep. Now your $100 pays down less interest and more principal the next month. And that's what will happen every month. You're actually paying off more of your debt with every payment uh, because you're reducing the balance. Again, as long as you're not adding and putting stuff on that card and you'll get out of debt faster, but you're just starting with paying the minimum that you had to pay the first month. So you're not adding any more out of that. And you can pretty much get, uh, with most credit cards, you'll pretty much get that done in about three years. Mm. That's without adding any more to it. If you can start throwing another $20, $50 a month at it, when you've got your emergency fund and you started investing uh, for your retirement, it'll go even faster. But, you know, the, the thing matter. You know, the thing that matters is most people didn't get into debt overnight. You're not going to get out of debt overnight. It's the same thing as, as, a, as a crash diet. You know, you can eat cabbage soup three times a day uh, and to lose weight, and, and maybe you can start doing that. You'll, you know, I've known people, they do it, and they make it about two weeks. And then it's not sustainable, <laughs> right? 
Yeah. I mean, they're and they're miserable, right? <laughs> it's miserable, man. And I've known people who've gone crazy over pinching, you know, pinching every, you know, every nickel till George Washington gets a headache, you know. Um, but you can't keep that up. It's not sustainable to always be uh, denying yourself, to always be worrying about every penny. Um, it's you've got to have something that will work for you that's sustainable in the long term, and that and that's the, the approach I just talked about is probably the most successful. Um, it's called the snowball approach. If people ever want to look it up online, um, and then uh, you, you just have to to know that you know you don't have six months to live. You've got your whole life ahead of you, and in three years, you can be three years older and still have a lot of debt, or you can be three years older and you can have a big chunk of that debt paid off. Um, and, and, uh, and so another thing, and, and, and that younger workers may not know that they're, they're running on, into on their jobs, is that a lot of workplaces now automatically enroll you in the company 401k plan if they've got one. Um, and this has helped bring a lot of people uh, into retirement investing uh, at, a, at an earlier age. So if that's the case uh, for, for anyone out there, go and look at what, um, what the investment options are for that account. A lot of times that, that company money, uh, that, that automatic money is put into a very low-yielding uh, investment like a uh, money market mutual fund. Uh, sometimes it's put in a company stock, which is definitely you don't want to do that, right? Uh, if you're getting your paycheck from the company, you don't want to bet on on their stock um, to also provide for you in the future because if something happens to the company, you lose your paycheck and your uh, and your investment goes south. Um, but if if people have that, if they have been auto enrolled. Of course, try and bump up the amount that you put aside by one or two percent uh, at least every year. But go and look at what's going on and uh, start to do a little research. Most 401k plans are only going to give you a choice of a limited number of um, of mutual funds in most cases. And you know, if you're under 40, uh, you just want to put your money right into a big broad-based stock fund, like a, a mutual fund that tracks the S&P 500. Um, cool. So that's something you can do without having to spend any more money right now is go and look at what's in your, uh, what's in your company plan and are you in the best vehicle for you, right? So yeah, if you're a year away from retirement, you don't hmm. probably want to have all your money in the stock market. That's why I said it always depends. But if you're 35 years old, you should be 100% invested in stocks in your retirement plan because you've got a good long time uh, to ride out the ups and downs of the market, uh, and, and that will produce uh, the biggest return over time. Sounds good. I have a question. So I saw something that sure. I thought was kind of like a <clears throat> ridiculous and um, insider, the publication, um, their finance column. 
some uh, lady, like, right outside of college, what she decided to do was live in a closet for, like, a year or two to pay off her loan. How, how much would you recommend <laughs> that to someone? Kind of like the kind of like the cabbage diet. Would you, would you recommend someone do that yeah. if they're in the situation? Or would you recommend that they live a little more comfortably? Because a closet sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> the, closet, the closet does sound kind of crazy. But I'll tell you, my, my apartment in New York was 8 by 11 feet. In, uh, uh, not including the bathroom. Um, so that wasn't a whole lot bigger. I mean, I've, you know, I've been at houses where the walk-in closet off the master bedroom was bigger than my first apartment. Um, and I was plenty glad to have it because I could live alone and I could afford it. Um, it you know, again, it depends. It depends. If you can sustain that, uh, if you're motivated enough, uh, and, um, and you can sustain it. it it's, it, you know, an austerity budget is not, is not the worst thing. Um, I don't think most people can stand to live in a closet. <laughs> it's not an, it's, it's weird advice because it's not an option for most people. Right. Um, yeah. If you have a family, if you have a, a, a spouse or a partner, uh, probably even if you have a cat, <laughs> you're not going to be able to, uh, to make it. Uh, living uh, in an apartment, but if you, in a closet, but if you want to say, I'm going to do that for a year and I'm going to sock every other dime away and wipe out my college debt. Um, well, you know, you can put up with a lot of things for a year. Um, I, I, I would say you're probably going to be spending a lot of time visiting your friends hanging out in coffee shops <laughs> because you're not going to want to spend a lot of time in that closet. Um, but, uh, but I've known, I've known people who lived on, uh, lived on boats, uh, when I lived in Florida. Um, and, and, uh, because it was, it was cheap. Um, and you know, it sounds romantic at first, but you know, think about it when it's raining or when the when the water is rough and your boat is banging up against the uh, the, the pier. Um, but you know, some people can grit their teeth and do that. You know, for a year or two. But you're probably not gonna you're probably not gonna want to do it for five years. Um, I have two friends who who uh, sold their homes and uh, uh, packed up everything and bought a uh, travel trailer, and they spent uh, two years. Uh, there were remote workers, uh, computer, uh, one's a web designer and one is a, a software engineer. And they spent two years, um, you know, living in a pretty big mobile home, but um, they were able to go a lot of different places and they were able to keep their expenses way down. Um, and, uh, of course, they were able to invest the money that they got for selling their home. Uh, and then after, you know, after two years, they were, in very good shape. They had a lot of cash. They had no debt. And, uh, you know, and then they were able to move on to the next, to the next phase of their life and get a nice place where they could have some room and they could have, uh, animals and things like that. Uh, and, um, if you can take a long-term term view and you have a really concrete goal, uh, you can probably pull off that kind of thing. Now, if you've got a partner, they might not be wanting to do that. 
if you've got kids, that may not be practical. Um, but uh, um, the people have done all kinds of stuff. It, it's, it's, it's funny that your friend had access to a place like that because a lot of times now you go online and there's, there are a lot of people involved with the, um, the fire uh, movement, which is, um, you know, to become uh, financially independent, um, pay off a lot of debt and, you know, try and, and retire early. Right, financial independence, retire early is what FIRE stands for. But a lot of times you read these crazy stories of, you know, she paid off $65,000 in college debt in one year, and now she has $50,000 in the bank. And you'll find out, you know, the person had an incredibly high-paying job. Uh, they didn't have any family. Um, they found us. They were living with their cousin, or something like that, or their you know parents gave them a car. Um, they, they usually had a very very uh, a very very good situation uh, to be able to pull that thing off, and it happens, and some people are able to do it, but it's not realistic for the rest of us. The rest of us are just you know we're we're, we're you know earning our paychecks. You know your career is shaky because. You know who's who's secure in their job these days anywhere. Um, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, corporate restructuring is just—it's not a thing that happens um, when your company runs into trouble. It's an ongoing thing all the time, especially in a lot of industries. You know, publishing is one um, where you know you always know a year or two from now you could you could be out on the street. Um, so people need to be a lot more careful uh, in terms of what they're doing with their finances and being able to um, be flexible. And, and I'll, I will tell you that the more cash you have on hand, the better life you're going to have. And that can be whether it's $500 in the bank or it's you know $50,000 in your emergency fund. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, uh, I, I like to say life is a junk sandwich, and the more bread you have, the less junk you eat. Well, thank you for that advice. I appreciate it, and I believe our listeners do, too. And I know what you mean about that student loan. It took me about, like, I don't know, around 15 or so years to pay mine off. And mine was only, like, 10 grand. So it does take people a long time to really pay off these loans and everything. But it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. Where can people find you online? I said, uh, look me up uh, on Twitter, uh, Brian O.C. Tweet at Twitter, B-R-I-A-N-O-C Tweet uh, on cool. Twitter.com. Cool, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained 
Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and I'm with Brian J. O'Connor. We've been talking a lot about like various ways to go out there and save money, what you should be paying on your credit card, um, how much you should be investing into your 401k, and so forth. Um, I guess one of the things that we could talk about is like, let's say you're um, kind of set financially not not set but like you kind of did the student loan thing you kind of uh got a little bit in savings you kind of worked up maybe hopefully like two weeks of your um savings for like a emergency fund or so forth your company's got a 401k set up for you and everything. Uh, I guess now some people are kind of like looking to like build assets and stuff. And there's like so many different things that people could invest in. Like, for example, Rolexes used to depreciate, but nowadays they're appreciating in value. And then like baseball cards and basketball cards, you could potentially make money off things like this. Then there's like stocks, NFTs, crypto and all this other crazy stuff that's going on like where should someone kind of start when they go and invest should they look at like things that are more unknown like etfs should they jump into like the speculative speculative side and go straight into futures or what what should they kind of do well it's best to start out with plain vanilla do your homework make sure you understand what you're buying 
how your investment works, what makes it go up and what makes it go down. Um, because you'd be surprised how many people hold investments and don't really know how it, how it works. So for beginner, you mentioned uh, EFTs. Um, those are exchange-traded funds. They operate kind of like mutual funds, but they're usually passive investments. Um, exchange-traded funds just took in the most money they've ever taken in in the last year. Um, and most funds, so, so for instance, you could get an exchange-traded fund that invests in um, the S&P 500 index. So it's the 500 uh, biggest companies. Uh, it's, a, it's a widely known index. Um, uh, it was, um, uh, you know, it's maintained. And so all the fund manager has to do is buy the stocks that are in the S&P 500. So the fees are very low. Uh, they're not doing a lot of trading. Um, so, uh, so it's a good investment because you're getting uh, you're getting broad exposure to the market. Um, you're even getting international exposure because, let's face it, most companies uh, operate, most big companies operate globally these days. Um, so that's a great instrument. And the lower your fees are, the more of your money that you keep, right? Because if this company is going to manage your investments, they're going to want to get paid for it. So the smaller the cut they take, the better off you are as an investor. So you can just start right there. Um, there's usually a minimum investment, um, but it's not too high for EFTs. Uh, and the nice part about EFTs is they're, they're traded like stocks. Um, so they, can, they get traded interday, and they're a little more uh, simple to follow uh, than mutual funds, which is not to say there aren't mutual funds that are also very, very good. And like I say, if you have a 401k, a 403b, uh, a government uh, plan, uh, you'll probably find that there's a a, uh, a mutual fund in there that either tracks the S&P 500 or it tracks some other broad stock index. Um, and that's the first place uh, uh, to look. Um, if you want to do other things, you know, beyond that, you know, after you're 40, you want to start putting some of your money in bonds. Uh, the old rule of thumb was you take 100, you subtract your age, and that's how much money you should have in stocks, and the balance should be in bonds. So if you're 40, you should be 60% in stocks. Um, and that's still pretty much, you know, the rule of thumb is, uh, you know, that with stocks and bonds. Try to save 10% of your income, 15% if you can, um, and, you know, think long-term. With all the other stuff, all the, all the, the fun stuff, like um, collectibles, art, uh, wine, uh, in California, you guys might want to focus on some of that. That stuff can do incredibly well. Um, art has done really, really well. Uh, outperformed the market for the last several years. Uh, classic cars uh, are um, are also uh, really good, but you have to have a lot of money uh, to get in there. And again, yeah. if you're investing in a classic car, you've got all your money probably in one uh, in one car. You know, so you're going to have to come up with I don't know 
So you're going to come up with uh, $80,000 to buy uh, a pristine uh, 59 uh, Cadillac convertible. Um, that will probably appreciate, uh, make sure it's insured. <laughs> but if anything happens, you know, all your money is, if anything happens to the market for classic Cadillacs, you know, you could be in trouble. That's, again, why most people say keep, if you want to um, speculate with that kind of stuff, uh, don't do it with more than 5% of your, uh, of your long-term investment or set up a separate account on the side. So um, uh, I have a friend of mine who has uh, his retirement money is, you know, with a broker managed, um, and he has taken uh, set aside a chunk of cash in a separate account in Robinhood, and uh, he really uh, he really enjoys that. He's he's kind of geeked on it, and and so he does his research, and you know it's not going to destroy him if he makes a mistake, right? Um, like I say, I'm here in Detroit, so when the auto industry melted down, um, I've got phone calls from people who were. 100% in General Motors, right? They worked for General Motors or they had retired for General Motors and had a General Motors pension. All their stock was GM, you know, and these people were really, really hurt. Um, the retirees, you know, got thrown out of their health care. The stock became worthless, um, you know, and they had, they had a real problem. Uh, or, or, you know, they got, took a buyout and lost their paycheck on top of everything. So that's why you don't want to put a whole lot of money on any one thing uh, or type of investment that can, that can go wrong. Um, as for you mentioned commodities, you're going to need a lot of money to start, to start investing in commodities. Um, you, you're probably going to need a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, you need to hire, uh, go through a commodities broker. Uh, the trades aren't cheap. Um, but you know, it is something you can do if you have the wherewithal, um, but you're going to have to come up with a lot of cash up front to fund your commodities account. Uh, and you're probably going to, with a lot of these things, you have to prove that you are a, uh, sophisticated enough, uh, investor that you have enough knowledge of the market and how these things work, um, that this is an appropriate investment or else the broker doesn't want to, to take you on as a client because, if things go wrong, uh, they're liable and, and, and they can be sued um, or they can lose their license if they're really doing a bad job. So, you know, for commodities, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's getting into the big time. Um, you don't have to be a billionaire, but you do have to have a lot of money. Um, again, NFTs, uh, uh, crypto, you know, if you want to spend the time um, to educate yourself about that and kind of figure out where you think the market's going, don't do it with with money that you're going to have to live on when you're 70 years old. Do it with money that you can, you know, that isn't going to derail everything or that you can even afford to lose because who knows how all this stuff uh, plays out over over the long run. You know, with, with crypto, I think security is, is the big thing. We've seen a lot of, a lot of attempts at hacking, and there have been uh, crypto accounts that have been hacked, and, and that money's gone. 
there's no FDIC to pay you back. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that's a total loss. And if that's your entire, if you took the kid's entire college fund and put it in, you know, in your crypto wallet and your wallet got hacked, well, you know, the kid's not going to college, <laughs> right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that's a bad idea. <laughs> that's a bad idea. But if you want to, if you want to spend the time researching it, because that's the other thing, if you're going to buy a specific investment, right? So you can probably, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm not live to the web right now, but you can probably find a fund, an ETF or a mutual fund that maybe invests in uh, um, fine art uh, or collectibles or things like that. Um, and again, then you're diversified if you can do that. Um, but um, if you are going to make a bet on one thing, whether it's the stock of one company, uh, like I said, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, seven cases of wine, whether it's a painting or a sculpture, or a collectible car or a Mickey Mantle rookie card, um, you have to do your homework because there are very serious investors out there uh, who are on top of that every day who are influencing the market and you have to be at least as smart as they are uh, to figure out where the market's going. Because the thing about investing, when you're investing in something specific, is that you have to be right twice, right? You have to buy at the right time. And the even harder thing is you have to sell at the right time. And that is the hardest thing to do because, um, Let's see here. I'm, I'm in Detroit. So let's say I buy, I find a pristine alkaline rookie card, right? Um, and I want to put my money into that. Well, how do I know that that card's going to appreciate? Um, I can, you know, I can do some research on uh, the baseball card world. Um, and now let's say that thing goes up. And, you know, then I have to figure out when am I going to sell it? Because you're trying to buy low and sell high. And the biggest temptation when you've got anything that's been increasing in value, the, the bias that investors have is that, well, this will just keep going up, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't, that doesn't happen. It's not an investment if it always goes up. It, it, it's got to have some risk to it. Um, to be, uh, to be some kind of investment or else you wouldn't be getting any real return. So you can look at it and say, man, this card, I paid $2,000 for this card and it's worth $5,000 now. And, you know, I'm just going to hang on and see how far this thing goes. That's a recipe for disaster. So you have to decide how much do I want to make on this thing? And when you hit your goal, you have to, have the discipline uh, to sell and it, 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 it's the hardest thing for people for people to do um, but you've just you've got to make that decision going in um, if you buy a if you buy a house to flip and property values keep going up well why should you sell now it might go it might go it's going up why wouldn't it keep going up now you know more 
So you need to have a goal to get out, whether it's to make 20% or whether it's as soon as we're going to net $50,000 on that property, you know, we pull the trigger and sell. You've got to get both ends of that bet right, when to buy and when to sell. Um, That's why for most people who don't have a lot of time and expertise, you're going to go to, you know, a broad-based mix of, of funds um, you know, with some stuff on the, some special stuff on the periphery. Um, and, and you're going to take a long-term strategy with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, but I mean, if you have a friend whose company is going public and he can get you shares, uh, inside shares, you know, you can take that. You can take some of your money and put it into that, but then you need to decide when am I going to sell? Is it, you know, is it when I made 10%? Is it when I made, made, a set amount of money, when are you, you've got to know, when am I going to get out? Because eventually things go down. You know, if you've got a long enough horizon, eventually also most things might come back, but a lot of companies go out of business. Um, yeah. and, and then you have nothing. Um, it's about time for us to wrap up our show. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you everyone for uh, listening to another episode of grow your influence tree. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you for having me on, Leonard. No problem. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.